0: she's a faithful example of one that you hoped you could at least partially match, be a part of what she's had access to over almost soon to be 80 years. And so, 79, yes ma'am, yes ma'am, I said soon to be. In about ten years, you'll be you'll be eighty in ten years. Yeah. You, okay, Kath, Yeah, you can go back and dance. The bathroom's all the way to the back. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but you know the it the difficult part is uh, many of those that mentored us, the apostolic ministries back to forty eight years ago. Most of those have passed. And the, the most difficult thing in the church presently one of the most difficult things is, you know, the Word speaks about honoring your mother and father. And for the most part, most of the churches believe that anybody that's over 50 is irrelevant, isn't in uh, sync with God, is out of context, and really don't have a use for them. And, you know, I look at the, the natural where the Word speaks about honor your mother and father so things will go well with you, but I value that as those spiritual mothers and fathers in my life. You see, the difficult part for me is, is that as I get older, all of those that I look to, the patriarchs, there are few left. There are few that are around. And for, for myself, <laughs> why make mistakes that others have, and why not learn from what they've really wished they had done differently? So we'll all make our mistakes. But this is where we really begin to see, and David Wilkerson a number of years ago, uh, before he passed away, they had a teen challenge, uh, 50th anniversary where uh, Nicky Cruz and all of those that were there, and he'd gotten sick. Uh, David Wilkerson, they had to take him to the hospital that night, but his brother had spoken Don. And the thing that he emphasized is he said, it's wonderful to celebrate 50 years. But he says, where are we going? Because team Challenge started out in a room, two men, someone who need deliverance, and the Holy Spirit. Now you have to have doctors and you have to have all of these things to, you know, insurance and all these things. But yet what he was trying to say is, is that how are we going to bridge the generations? And that spoke really loud to me. Because when we speak of the generation in the word, it usually represents about four generations. And so the value that we have of one another is needs to be highly esteemed. Because um <laughs> I keep telling my son-in-law's he's turning fifty. You know? <laughs> and I was fifty once. And they used to kind of look at me thinking fifty was old. Now they're fifty and come on. So all things are relative, right? So really begin to just value those that are around you. Amen. Come on, mama, baby. I love you. Come on. Okay, I think you ought to put your hands together and make some loud noise.
1: Don't yes you do. I was going to do. let it down. <laughs> That's good. Praise Amen. God. God's good. I taught you well didn't I? That's what my church used to do. They knew that was my word. and I had them trained boy they'd say all the time they answer me every time buddy. They knew better too. Thank y'all so much for coming out tonight and I thank you that I love you. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I feel that God is looking at us to be an example to others. And I try to be an example most of all for my children. I want my children to see my life and I want them to see that I'm stable in it, that I'm steadfast, and that I mean business with God. My children do see that and they'll put it on Facebook and everywhere else. My mama. The most godly woman in the world, is what they say. And they take up for me. I've been going home about every three months, and when I do, I've been doing women's conferences. And my three daughters are in North Carolina, are youth pastors, and so they join me, and we do these uh, women's conferences together. And I like it because I don't have to stand there and pray for everybody; I let them. It looks like me three times doing it, (laughs) so I really love it because they went through my Bible school, they worked under me as my assistants in my churches, and so they know the Word of God, they know how to pray, and they know how to do spiritual warfare, so praise God, I thank God for my children. All of my daughters are into the Word of God, and y'all know Kathy works for Reinhardt Bucky, and... So I'm blessed of God that my children are saved and my children I know is, like me, they're strong, they're going to heaven. I'm counting on it. Amen. I'm undecided. There's something that I really want to get across to you. I have this new book I'm writing and putting together now about the mindset of God. God showed me uh, recently, um, I don't know where I've told y'all this or not, but I lost my brother Kent a few years ago uh, with leukemia, and it lasted like two years, and we went through that. It was really, really uh, tough to watch him suffer and all. It looked like he was healed, and he looked really great, and they said, uh, when he went for blood work, said, we're going to give you the big one this time. I believe he hadn't went back, I believe that he'd be alive today. But I believe that lice chemo knocked him, killed him. Anyway, the doctor said it was um, in our DNA. So he said, said, Kent, it's in your DNA. And so he shouldn't have told us that. Because when he told us that, I go home and I'm thinking about it. It's in the Sudrath DNA. And I'm a Suddra. How would you feel thinking about that? God told me, Betty, I'm going to tell you how you let leukemia come in you. You did it. You let cancer in you. You do it. Actually, Satan doesn't have authority to give you anything. He gives you a thought. and When he gives you that thought, you think on it. You meditate on it. And God told me your thoughts and you're thinking that's why Paul you know everything that God's told us to do is an importance to save your life there's a reason why he wants you to be obedient to what he's saying to you and a reason he didn't want you thinking to think on heavenly things and think on good things and not on negative things because you opened the door their thoughts are making soil that you grow in You with me and we know that the Word of God is seed. So once spoken, I thought, well, I'm a sutta, so it's in my DNA. It's only natural for you think it's natural, but it's not natural because God doesn't want us thinking that way. We have to take on the word of God, the mind of God. Here I played the Bible to myself for seven years, and know better. But here I'm thinking about it. Going through the crisis, watching him suffer and all, made me think about this. So I thought about it, and then I said to myself, out loud, you know, I could get been looking. And when I said that, my mind put it, performed it in my body. That seed of me speaking planted it in my body, in my blood. And I mean, it planted it to such extent because I have authority and I'm strong. It put it all the way into the fourth area of it. And, And when the doctor took my blood work, told my sister, she needs to get her life in order and she needs to go right today and make her funeral arrangements. And she said, well, how much time does she have? He said, well, we don't know that, but I'd say five days. How would you like to go to the doctor if he had five days? You know, my sister did that. She went to the doctor thinking she's going to see what's wrong with her. And he said, take her straight to hospice. You may not make it. She never got to. I want you to think about that. She never got to go back. She couldn't even take her pocketbook with her or anything. Her daughter took her pocket back. Just think about your pocketbook and what you have in it. Think about all your clothes, your jewelry, and everything you have. And you never have a say-so in them. And that's how little that stuff is important to you. We think all these things are so important to us. The older I get, the less they have a hold of me. But I want you to think about what is important to you is your spirit. And we let our soul, we let our bodies dictate to us talk to us and do the things that we do when it's not important at all because it's trying to deceive you. Remember, my body took me to hell when I listened to it and when I give it what it wanted to. It is not important. Your spirit is what the life is in your spirit. Man, if you don't feed that spirit, man, he's going to die. I want to ask you a question. If you was Jesus and you was a baby in, in someone, I'm telling my class, I said, what's happened to you? We are talking about, we're in a book, Was just went through the book on carnal Christians and spiritual Christians. What's the difference? I want to ask you a question. I told them this. I said, whenever you accepted Jesus Christ, you got pregnated by the word of God. And Jesus is the word. So you actually got baby Jesus in here. How much are you feeding him? I want to ask you a question. Are you feeding yourself more than you do Jesus? However much you're feeding him is how big he is in you. I'm 79 years old in August, and my Jesus is big as I am. And your Jesus should be the height you are by the time you get my age because once he gets to the full statue of me, I don't need my body no more. I graduate. That's what death is. Your spirit man gets so big, he don't need no flesh no more. But who are you feeding? Are you letting your body dictate to you? Or are you letting your body control you? I can tell you, you didn't today. You know who controlled you today? You ate all day long. We did. The less you eat, the more spiritual you are. How about that? Isn't that something? Because you yield to the spirit more when you do that. Anyway, I went home. I went and made my funeral arrangements because I'd been wanting to anyway. And then I went home, and I sat down in my easy chair. I said, Father, is this how you're going to take me home? You know everybody's going to die from something I don't believe that I believe I can just say Lord I'm ready to go let's go and I can go I don't think I have to wait to die I think I can go if I want to go I think God can t- say let's go anytime and I think that if I feel my body so full of the word I can cram that stuff in there and go real quick if I want to because I can get to that full statue because the Lord showed me how we build ourselves up in Him. Listen, God said this. Don't you to think? Just a minute. Don't you to think right way? Don't you to think God way? God said, "Heaven and earth shall pass away." Now that's pretty strong. Now He made heaven and earth, and He He lives up there, so He must like it pretty good. Do you understand what I'm saying? But my word, what? will never, ever heist away. That means that he cares more about his word than anything else. Well, bless God if he cares more about that. I'm going to be more concerned about his word than I am heaven or earth. That is my motivation is to get the word of God in people because the word of God is his son, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. All of a sudden I'm sitting in that chair and Jesus appears and he is mad at me. Here I am a big prayer person or people thinks I am and a warfare person and I let the devil make me think wrong? Do you see how easy it is to be deceived? Do you see how easy he brings these thoughts into our mind about ourselves and things? Don't ever, ever say I have. You're affirming it belongs to you. Don't say I have sugar. Don't say I have arthritis. Don't say I have cancer. Never affirm it belongs to you. Once you do, you just give Satan the right to bring an unclean spirit in you. Cancer is an unclean spirit. It said the woman was been over. She had spent everything she had. She had been bleeding. I did the same thing when I was 23 years old. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was almost bled to death. And when they took my wound out, it was a mass. Bloody Massive cancer. And this woman had spent and identified everything that I identified that I went through. Yet, here this woman was it's spent everything. That was cancer. Well, Jesus didn't call it cancer. He called it an unclean spirit. We let these things in by our thought pattern and by our. So we got to change how we think, and the only way you're going to do that is your mind is your mind, your will and your emotions. So your will and your emotions are going to act on whatever you're putting in it. What are you putting in it? You're the husband of your brain. you're the husband over your soul. What are you putting in your soul? What you should be putting is downloading the Word of God, like I did. I'm going to tell you how much Satan does not want it. Since I've been in Florida, I, I had my stuff at home where I could just throw a CD in there and play it all night and play it all day. I got down there, I didn't have a CD player, so one of, the, one of my school ma- uh, students brought me hers. I went home, and you know what? I put that CD in there, and it wouldn't work. I went to North Carolina and got mine from the church, brought it back, and put it in the house, put a CD in it, and it wouldn't work. I said, well, I know mine works in the car. I'm going to go out there. I put Joe Osteen in it. It worked. I put my Bible in it. It wouldn't work. Ain't that something? And I said, now, boy, the devil is really trying to keep me from hearing the word of God because I wanted to start playing the Bible to myself because I'm putting out. Every time you put out a sermon you've got to put back into you to fill up what you give out. So I can't go out here and give out and give out and give out without putting up. So I told everybody I'm coming up here and getting filled up, so they're expecting me to come really loaded. <laughs> I wanna go back really loaded. Before I forget it, I wanna tell you I brought my book with me for it's called Biblically Can Women Preach. And every one of you women need to get this book. I only made about 5 though. Uh also made a little book out there of my testimony. Uh I'm in a mega church in in uh Florida and it's my nephew and my nephew my fa- my brother died at um I forgot I'll come back to remember. I got to come back back looking. Um my brother died at uh, 27 years old. And my nephew was only 3 years old and his mother remarried, and then she went nursing home, and he ended up with her new husband. He wasn't very good to him, but he ended up in foster care a lot, and then um, Assembly of God woman ended up with him, and she seemed to similar God college, and he went to college. Well, after he got married and had a few children, he said he felt he had no roots, he had no Grandmas or grandpas for the kids, no aunts, no uncles. So he started praying and asked to God to give him his roots. Give me some roots, give me some people, my people. And one day he saw me on Facebook, Pastor Betty Sudra, had his name from the state his dad was from. And he called me up and he said, I think you might be my aunt. I'm looking for my dad's family. I said, well, what was your brother's name? He'd me he died when he was three. He said, Truman Sudreth. I said, I'm your aunt. Bless God, it liked to tickle him so good, so he invited me to come down to this church and preach. I don't think they ever saw anybody slain the spirit, but they got to see about a thousand. <laughs> he had four pastors, and I said, this is too many for me. I just had a knee done you get over here and go down that line and one get over here and go down that line and the other two come toward me and I'll get in the middle. I get, I've get, gone slant. They're, all, they're laying on the floor all the way across here and I look to see how they're doing. They're still going, <laughs> looking at me. And I said, pray for them. No, you're going to. Every one of them. But it was funny. We've really had a good time and He really, really did need me. He really did. And it's been so good to be there with him and to see how much. I never really knew how much relations. You don't have no idea how much relations means until you witness it in the spirit. But he was having a board meeting. He had a migraine headache. And he was sick, nauseated. And he run me down. I was in the hall. I was going to my Bible school ain't Biddy come in here, pray for me, I've got a migraine. And I go in, I anoint him with oil, and I pray for him. And after I got through, I just sat down on the couch with him, and we quit being pastors at that moment. We become Sudras. And I started talking about North Carolina, and I started talking southern with him. And it wasn't 15 minutes till that young man was just laughing and cutting up, and he forgot about a migraine. He forgot all about a meeting. But I just watched how much that family bloodline means to each other. I don't care what anybody says or does. Don't let nobody come between you and your bloodline. I won't tell you what any of us said will whoop the hell out of you if you say anything about any of us or you do anything to any of us, you got all 13 of us to whoop. We don't let no, my sister, she she cursed out my church, and she was a member, because some women was saying something to me. She let them have it, let me tell you. Some men were saying something about women preachers, and she said, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll put my sister up against every man in this town. <laughs> Even if they don't live it, they take up for me. Why did, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because you're an example. What would your family say about you? Are you living it before them? I mean business. I'm not going to hell. I saw it, it's a liquid volcano, and it's forever. And you're not getting out ever. And if you think I'm stupid enough, I ain't going to be that stupid, buddy. I done seen that sucker. And nobody's getting me there. I mean it. I mean to go to heaven. I'm going to live it to the 100%. Now, where was I And before? Oh, Jesus come in the room. And he was mad at me. He wasn't happy. He said, Betty. I took all your sicknesses on me on the cross. you hear what he said? What was I, all of a sudden, I saw that. All of a sudden, he took, listen to me, he took all your sickness on him. So you don't have to have them. Tell the devil that. Okay? I want you to really get what I'm saying to you. Jesus passed, tense, done. Jesus healed you at the cross. You're already healed. At that moment, I accepted that. I saw that. It was just like, opened up, it's just like, I can't comprehend how much I saw that. He said, now, daughter, you can either... Wear it or put it back. Man, I come out of that easy cheer. I jumped up and I said, I am not going to wear it. I said, you're going back. And all of a sudden, leukemia was in the room with me like a black silhouette of a man. And the scripture come to me, resist Satan. And he what? I saw and knew that he was of Satan. And it worked on him. I said, I stood up and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, you are an unclean spirit and an unclean spirit can't dwell in my temple with the Holy Spirit. And I choose the Holy Spirit and I reject you. And I bind you, and I command you, get out of my house, and don't you ever come back to my house again. Do you hear me? In the name of Jesus. Boy, he was gone, and I ain't seen him since. (laughs) Neither has my bloodline. It is that simple. I want you to know. And I want to tell you something. Everywhere I go just about people that has leukemia or cancer in their bodies is healed. I was just in California, no, yeah, California, I have to think I've been to so many places lately, and I'm ordaining this couple, and while I'm ordaining her, she lights up like all of her blood cells start flashing red inside of her. If you've, if you've never, uh, uh, if you're supposed to walk in the spirit and you're supposed to be a seer, this is, I'm trying to explain this so you'll understand what you're seeing, Okay, this is transferable and why I know this is I had a young lady to come to a glow and she was a speaker and she had been a prostitute and this was, she had just started giving her testimony and I'm in the audience and she said, uh, there's a lady here and your name is Betty and God said, you're going to show me how to see in the spirit. Man, I wasn't saying a word, I just sat there. She said, well, you can either come up here or I'm going to call your last name. <laughs> wow. Everybody nurse there turned around looking at me. <laughs> wow. So I got up and I said, now, Lord, I, I just can't comprehend this now. And she said, uh, okay, the people's lined up now. You tell me, says you're going to pray for this first. And God told me that you're going to show me how to pray for these people and I'm going to see what you see. Well, the first lady come up and I started talking to the lady and I seen in her and I t- started telling her what's wrong. She said, Oh my god, do you see this stuff all the time? She was seeing what I saw. God let that spirit come on her so she could see into these people's bodies and see. When I saw this woman's blood light up, and I seen I knew it's leukemia. I knew what I was seeing. Because I've seen enough of leukemia to know when I'm seeing it, what I'm seeing. And I said, I got to stop. I was ordaining her and her husband. I said, I got to stop. I said, honey, God's healing you right now of uh, your bloodline. You have a disease in your blood. I didn't want to speak it on her, <laughs> and she throwed her hands straight up and tears started running down her eyes, and she said, God's healing me of cancer. I don't like to tell them it is cancer. I like for them to tell me it's cancer. I don't like to speak it out over people. I don't decree things over people. Anytime you're speaking a word, you're making a decree with your mouth. We have the authority, and that means we have power. And when we speak the words, when I told you years ago, there are two spirits beside your mouth. One's God's and one's the devil's. Whichever you speak with is which one's going to carry your message and deliver it. Now, you're either going to speak a blessing or you're going to speak a curse. You choose, but God will hold you. God made, in Malachi, he said that he made a book of your comings and your goings and your sayings. Now, if you don't think your saying means something, it is recorded every word you say. And you're going to have to face it one day. And God wants you to know that. I wanted to share some of these things with you. What God's been doing, and He's been really blessing me. I really, truly believe I'm in the right place. It seemed like when I was in North Carolina, I was cold all the time, and having joints done, and uh, I never had no, no finances. So I give when I was down there, I gave him my school and begged him to do it. And he had told me he read some of my books, and he Saint Betty says I've been to college and I don't know this stuff. He said, "I know my people don't know this stuff. Please teach them." And so he called me up and said, "Ain't Betty? Why don't you come and spend the winter and, and start and do my Bible, start my Bible school, set up?" Well, I come and it's so wonderful, and I was feeling so good. and I wasn't hurting, and it was so warm. I couldn't believe that I'm going around and warm all winter long. I'd wake up, woohoo! Glory to God! I could jump out of bed and my feet not be cold. Glory, I loved it. I thought, man, this is living. Well, it come past my time to go home and I didn't go home. I said, I don't think I'm leaving here. So I put my house up for sale. But I want to tell you what God's been doing. 25 years ago, I went to California. Of course, I was in California when I was home when we founded the Prayer Mountain. I have prophesied to so many people and preached in so many churches. One day, I got a map from my rental car and I thought, in my hotel, I thought, I want to see how many of these places I've been. And I've been to almost every city in California and I've probably preached in thousands of churches and took them to Prayer Mountain. So I do not remember everybody I prophesied to or what I said to them. You see, the prophecy is for you, the prophecy is for you, not for me. You don't recall much after you see it. but this man. I prophesied to, and there were nine men that I called up. And I told the man, I said, God is going to use you to carry his word all over the nation through television. I went to the next man, and I prophesied to him. And God spoke to me, said, go back to him. He didn't really get it. So I went back to him, and I said, sir, God said you didn't really get it. He wants you to know you're going to carry the word of God all over the nations. I prophesied to all nine men, and the last, uh, after I got through, he said, go back and tell him again. He wanted him to mean business. He said, not only did you tell me this one time, you told me three times you prophesied to me. Well, recently, Lee Benton, one of my, while I was in all of that stuff, I met a bunch of actors and I started going from house to house and we won about 300 actors to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And I ordained them. And so one of my ministers went to, she's, one of my actors went to see him about getting to a program on his station and she had my picture then told him I was her pastor. that I ordained her. He said, where is she? I want to talk to her right now. And so Lee, just give him my phone number, and right there in front of her, he she called. He called me and told me who he was, and said, "You prophesied to me 25 years ago, and told me that I was going to carry the word of God all over the world." He said, "I'm doing that now." Amen. I said, "You know," I said, "You know, Brother Bill." I said, uh, "God just spoke to me and said He wants you to go. That Trendy is moving out of Arizona, and He wants you to go to Arizona." To do a station there. Here I'm prophesying to him again. <laughs> yeah. I said, Do you know somebody there? And he said, Yeah. He says I know a preacher there. I said, Call him. He called him and he said, Get out here. He goes out there and the next day he calls me back. He said, Pastor Betty says, uh, This is something else. He says, you really hear from God? He said, They give me $85,000 to do the studio. And said, "It's connected all out here." Said, "You can't believe where I'm at." And I said, "Where yet?" He said, "Tommy Burnett's church." Well, he told them, "says He says, he said I'm going to have my mentor to come out here when we open the studio and be your speaker." And they said, "Who is she?" And he said, "It's Betty Green." So they went on tele- went on the internet and looked up Betty Green Ministries. They called him back and said, why didn't you tell us she was part of Cho's ministry? Why didn't you tell us she's been all over the world? We got five assemblies coming together now. This is," And he said, Pastor Betty, it's getting bigger. God said, tell him to get used to it. Well, he said, I'm not going without you. He said, You hear from God for me. He said, I'm afraid to go without you. I want you to go with me, and I want you to be the first one to speak worldwide. You know, I got off that phone. I sat down in that chair and I cried. I said, God, this is an opportunity to speak to your creation. don't have nothing to say in your creation I said God would you would you use my body if I submit my body to you would you like to talk to your creation And I said I'm gonna let you I'm not going I'm not gonna talk I'm gonna let you have me Whatever you want to say to your creation, but God started telling me what He wanted to say. Now I'm going to tell you when He got me up. Just like it's almost just like where I'm at right now. And the cameras are right in front of me. And the people were on both sides. It was so big. The glass. It's one of the biggest churches, assemblies of God in in Arizona. They even opened glass doors that would all slide back and put yours outside it with so many people. It was like God took my mother used to have a thumb or grandma one. It was rubber, and you could put it on your finger. Do you know what I'm talking about? you ever seen one? It was like God took one of them and put all the way down to my feet. And it's like I was literally numb. It was so strong, it almost scared me. Here's what God said. God started talking. And I told the people, I said, this is an opportunity for God to talk to his people that he made at one time. I have chose to let God use my mouth to talk to you. From here out, it's going to be God, not me. Here's what God done. He said, the three Godhead had a conference. We decided that we wanted a family. We wanted somebody like us. We wanted somebody with our mindset, our mind, our body, that we could fellowship with. So we decided that we would come down to earth and that we would make man in our image. And we made man in our image to fellowship with us. He said, then we broke the fellowship by sinning. He said, Oh, I missed the fellowship. Somehow. Oh, I love you so much. I like what I made, and I love it, and I miss your fellowship. Oh, how I missed you so much. We all missed you so much. That my son said, Father, please, so we can have him back. Please let me go down. Let me become a man. Let me go down and let me pay the price that we can have our family back. And Jesus came down. I want you to see what I had to see. It almost made me sick. I could see Jesus being tormented. God is watching this now. But I'm seeing through his eyes. And he'll look over. Oh, oh, oh. And he'd look over here and see me. Oh, oh. He'd look at man. He'd look at man. And he loved him so much. It was the first time in my life I've ever seen the love of God for mankind. So strong that he had to turn his head and just look as his creation. His family you men to feel how you'd feel if this was your children had to suffer through watching what he was and he redeemed mankind and God said I love you so much I covet your fellowship I covet Your fellowship. I created you for one purpose. is to fellowship with me. This was so strong that I was walking toward the camera from way back there and as I walked by this tall man, demons come out of me. He fell to the floor. I didn't come out of the trance I was in. Some pastors took care of it. People was getting healing. The whole audience, that vast audience was standing with tears streaming down their eyes. And I believe they were seeing what I was seeing. But you've never seen anything like what God had to watch. And what he done because of you. Tell him every day, thank you. Father, for what you've done. Thank you for loving me. There ain't No way anybody could ever convince me that God didn't love me now. Nobody could ever convince, I hope that nobody can ever convince you that God does not love you because he loves you more than anybody has ever loved you in your life, and I just want you to know that. God has been so good. Right now, our television station is in Africa, doing a television station over there and setting up a lot of ministries over there and missionaries, and we have another one of our... Men that went to Canada, and he's setting one up there. You know, we build a prayer mountain in Canada. And um, so it's just like popcorn popping. And I believe that the Lord is going to see that his word is going to go all over the world right now. I've started a Bible school. I have um, 10 in one class. I have over 24 people in my church, in my class. Uh, a night class and a day class i'm doing two television networks i'm doing a bible school on stream and you can go to my facebook pastor betty sedras and you can watch me do bible school and we've been a year in november and uh, next year in november i'll be graduating them i have actually some women from another church coming to it so it's reaching out it's going to two churches at this time right now besides People up here uh, are snowbirds that come, and they got in it, but they're watching it on, they pay, but they're watching it on television. They buy the books. And they're up here in your country. Isn't that wild? So here's what I'm planning. I want you to pray about it. I'm I'm going to send my nephew up here for their wedding anniversary in December, and I'm going to let them talk to him about feast. And then when the feast comes next year, I'm going to see if we can't bring about 25 or 50 people to the Feast of Tabernacles, hey, like that. So we're going to start working while I'm here and see about dormitories over here that we can get and work on this thing. Uh, We go places, we uh, have so many seniors and we go on a bus and we go on, on sightseeing tours and stuff like this. And the man that's a pastor over our seniors in our church is from here, he's from New Hampshire and they just come back from up here. So uh, I think he might like to come home and, and bring us up here in the bus. Wouldn't it be cool? Either that or we're going to see if we can't get plane tickets because those women are not broke down there. They live in Florida, and they took that money from up here and went down there. So we're going to bring some of it up here and bring them up here and, and let them learn what the feast is all about. I really believe it's serious that we learn about this stuff. And I believe that we should be teaching this when we do have a feast so we can learn more about it. I want to share a few things with you in Second Chronicles. I'm going to talk a little bit about unbelief. Unbelief is unbelieving something you know. That's not easy to do to unbelieve something. So but let me sh- show you what God thinks about it, okay? In Second Chronicles 20:20, it says, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And God is wanting you to, to be established. I want to tell you something else that I'm doing in Florida is I've started praying over businesses. And every business that I've prayed of, prayed over right now has more business than they can handle. And it's then be established. When I went to this man, he sells, in fact, I just seen it on Facebook today, he sold a big boat. When I went to him and I told him, I said, if you will tithe off of your business, I said, and not just yourself, I said God will bless you for tithing off of your paycheck, but if you tithe off your business, he'll bless your business. But if you don't, he will curse your business because you didn't acknowledge it. And He said, well, where am I going to put God in my business? He told his testimony, and he said, when Pastor Betty told me to put God in my business and let him be the one in charge, he said, I didn't know where I was going to put God. Isn't that funny? But I want to tell you something. He listened to the prophet. Today, he was about to go under at that time. He was about to lose everything he had. And he was trying to rent a building, and he really wanted it, and they wouldn't let him have it. And I said, no, this is not the building for you. God's going to give you beyond anything you can think about. Well, after he agreed with me, what I told him, and I prayed over his business, God gave him a place so big with a pool where he could actually show him how to get on these. Oh, I love these boards, you stand on them and go out on the ocean. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'd probably fall off, but I think they're the coolest things. I wish I had them when I was young. I'd have been riding all over that ocean. But i seen one today. It's a bicycle, and you do this and hold on it, so I could do that And now. i got to tell him about that, but he got it. Anyway, God blessed him. Now the man is so prosperous and selling so many things. and He's in this huge building, so we went and we blessed his building. Three businesses in our church have went and done this, and every one of them has got more business than handle. In California, I did that with Mama Troy. She's the one taught me that. And I did it with the businesses in California. And every home that I went to and every business I prayed for become millionaires in Pastor Kim's church in L.A. Now they're taking up money. They said they don't need it because Jesus is coming. And they're taking up money, and they're going to countries that don't have Jesus in them and using their mind to do it. They just went into North Korea and did some stuff. They went in China and did some stuff. They went to Iraq and did some stuff. So they've been really uh, underground stuff. So this is what they're doing with that money that God gave them so much of. Unbelief is dangerous as it can cause. Let, let me read you here. Because the children of Israel wouldn't believe Moses or Joshua and Caleb, but believed an evil report. See, I believed an evil report from that doctor. Unbelief is an evil report. The people were not in God's will, so they couldn't go out and defeat their enemy because of disobedience. Thus, God no longer had legal ground. This is a part. Listen to this thus God no longer had legal ground to take their part and defeat their enemy for them you hear this this is why I put this in this book unbelief is dangerous as it can cost a person their life choose to believe God looks for doers of his word let us listen and then let every man be quick to hear listen and slow to speak. Slow to take offense and to get angry. Did you know that offense is a spirit, a demon? Most people don't know that. I've had people get offense, offended at me. The gospel is supposed to offend you. It's supposed to cut you. It's supposed to operate on you. You think that I can put that word when you in you and not operate on you and cut you up with it that's what it's all about we won't operate it on it it takes out the mess amen listen to me offense is a spirit you can choose to be offended or not to be if you choose to be it makes you a victim the word says that you're victorious which are you going to choose with which side you're going to be on See what I'm saying? Then I've got in here, thoughts produce seed, soil. Words are seed. Once spoken, the word is planted. And it produces a harvest of a blessing or a curse or death. He said your words bring life or death. Choose to speak life. You're, what are you growing in you? What are you thinking and when you speak, if you pl- if you speak, you've planted. Now it's growing into what you said. A harvest is coming to you, and that's why God told you to speak those things that are not as though they are. We can speak things into being. What are you growing in your garden, your body? You know, you're a husband over what you listen to, what you see. I've seen somebody tonight. What? Well, her phone, doing Facebook instead of listening to the Word. She ch- chose. She chose. Instead of taking the Word into the body, she has taken what she saw. You see what I'm saying? That's a distraction that Satan does to try to distract us from what God is saying to us. We could have been healed, or something we really needed. We missed, and the distraction comes when it's something you need. And he don't want you to hear it because he's wanting to take you out. So you've got to be aware. That's why God wants us to be slow to speak. He wants you to guard your mouth. Every hole, and I've told you this before, every hole in your body is a gate. And he said, guard your gates. Your husband move that body and God will, will hold you responsible for what you let in it. I want you to think about it. Every hole in your body is a gate. Whether it's perverse, whether it's Sex, whatever it is, you're responsible for letting it enter your body. You're supposed to keep holy things in your body and see that holy and good things goes in and not bad things. So he's going to hold us responsible. Hosea 4 and 6 says, I mean, knows what it says. My people are destroyed for lack of what? So I'm giving it to you tonight. Most Christians are not even familiar with the term, nor do they know how to recognize the symptom. How would you say say that? Passivity? Passivity. Say it again. Okay. is the opposite of activity. It is a dangerous problem because the word of God clearly teaches that we must be alert, cautious, and active. Faith is an action. You ain't got no faith if you're not acting. If you're not doing something for God, you have no faith. Uh, I'm going I'm to give you some definition on this in a minute. 1 Peter 5 and 8, that we die to fan, to fan the flame and stir up the gift within us. Uh, Peter tells us to, to flame that fire and the gift that's within us, okay? 2 Timothy 1 and 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Now, the definition of Passivity. I described it as lack of feeling, a lack of desire, general apathy, as, as we're warned, lukewarm or laziness, an evil spirit is behind it. So you want to know that that's the devil right there. As the devil knows that inactivity, failure to exercise the will, will will spell the believer's ultimate defeat. As long as that person is moving against the devil by using his will to resist him, the enemy will not win the war. However, if he enters into a state of passivity, he is in serious trouble. That means you're just not doing anything. Let me get on to here. Here's going to be explained a bit. Some believers are emotionally ruled that an of feeling is all that is needed to stop them from doing what they have been taught to do. They praise if they feel like it. They give if they feel like it. They keep their word if they feel like it. You know, anybody like this? Or if they don't feel like it, they don't. Empty space is a place. Everybody say that. Ephesians 4.27. Nor give place to the devil. If You ain't fooled up on the word. You ain't fooled up on praise. God made you to worship him. The place we give to Satan is often empty space and a passive mind can be filled with all kinds of wrong thoughts. In 2 Timothy 1 and 6, that is why I remind you to fend a flame into the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. Okay? Right thinking. In God's order of things, right thinking comes first. Right actions follows. I believe that right actions or correct behavior is a fruit of right thinking. Most believers struggle trying to do right, but fruit is not the product of struggle. Fruit comes as a result of abiding in the vine, John 15 and 4, and abiding in the vine values being obedient. The first message I ever preached in my life was abiding in the vine, and I knew if you are not reaping from the vine, that's how I made the strongman book. It's like a vine. It's a tree. And God is the root of that. Now, what kind of tree are you? Is God your root? And in the root, the, the tree trunk is Jesus. The Holy Spirit's a sap the tree and comes out of the root, come in picking Jesus word you're the limbs in the tree and it comes into you and you manifest the fruit of the spirit and I want to tell you something Jesus is not coming back after individuals he's coming back after a church this will really shock you but I don't think you can go without being part of a body I don't think you can go without being part of a church people say well there's a university body no I believe you've got to be part of a church because they had a church in the Bible. They made a church. The disciples made a church. And all the members was in that church. And then God, whenever in Revelations, he's talking to the five churches that Paul made within a hundred miles radius of each other. And the fault he was finding with the churches, the whole body. He was talking to the whole body in each one of those churches. I never knew this until I become a pastor and saw how much we need to be part of each other. Okay, I want to ask you a question. You got a body? Do you think your hand can go out here and stay at home while you're over here? Well, where in the world do you think we're a church body? Now how do you think if well if you're the leg? What if you're the leg of this church and you don't come? The church is hopping. It is without a leg. What if you're the ear and they're deaf, Do you see what important you are? You belong to that body and without it, it's crippled. You can't stay away from church because if you stay away from church, you, you, you messed up the whole thing. And you know what? God said, where was you? I made you the ears. You knew that church couldn't hear without you. You knew what part you played in that church. And those people didn't get the word. Their blood's on your hands. If they don't go to heaven, your, their blood's on your hands because. Did you know that you don't have authority to leave a church? You know that, that God places you in a body you don't have a choice? Draws you and play. Oh God, I'm getting busy in this mess in here. <laughs> no, I learned. God talked to me when I pastored a church. God told me all this stuff. Boy, did I learn the hard way. And I learned. God kept reminding me, Betty, they're not your sheep; they're mine. Every day you think this, Betty. They're my sheep and I care how you take care of them. I care what you do to them. I care about what you teach them. I will hold you responsible. Are you with me? But he's going to hold you responsible. Just like they didn't listen to the prophets. They didn't listen to Caleb and them. They died never got to go into their promised land because they would not listen to their leader. It's dangerous. You're playing games with your soul, and your body. I think a lot of people are sick because of their attitude and because they take this attitude, I do whatever I want to. Well, I thought I could too, but I busted the hell wide open. I did what Miss Betty wanted to do, and I learned the hard way. But I'll tell you one thing, when them demons starts coming to dragging you into hell, it'll straighten your butt up real quick. It ain't no plaything. God is serious. Do you know how many people's going to hell tonight because nobody's telling them about Jesus? Jesus said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel, every word to everyone. That is to every one of us. Every one of us has to be a soul winner. He says, if you do not bear fruit, I will pluck you off. That means peace, joy, and all this stuff. But it also means soul. That means if you got a tree out there, God went out there and showed them. This tree was not producing fruit on it. He wanted to eat that fruit. He meant fit to bear something. And God is wanting you to bear something. He's wanting you to bear fruit of the Spirit. He's, He's wanting you to bear souls for His kingdom. I asked Him one day, God... This says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? How do I seek the kingdom of God? He said, a kingdom is a king that has a group of people that all believe the same, and they all serve that one king. I said, how do I seek the kingdom of God? He says, fill it up. Are you? You've got to fill up God's kingdom. Now I want to tell you something. You look around here. You're blaming pastors because we're the people. God's blaming you. I want to show you something what God showed me. He took me in detail. I want you to look at David. When God was talking, he used David as a shepherd. I want you to see David. I'm going to be David right here. I'm on this rock. Okay? You're my sheep out there, and I'm watching you. I'm looking out over the sheep. David, these were his sheep, he bought his sheep, he owned his sheep, with me, they belonged to him, you think I can get off this rock and come over there and have a baby sheep, hmm? I'm a man, I mean I'm a person, I can't go out there and have a sheep because I'm not sheep, you with me? Jesus put this like this so you could understand what he's talking about. Sheep begat sheep. Sheep goes and when Sheep had bring them into the church that the pastor could teach them the word of God and make disciples out of them. I asked God, what is a church? He said, Betty says, this is what it's all about. said, this Sunday the preacher's going to preach people and said they get the word of God. Then that group should go out and win more people, bring them in for the next Sunday The ones that got saved the next Sunday, the others go out and they bring in the next Sunday. Then those bring in the next Sunday. This is what it's all about. You bring them in that then be taught the word of God. But if they're trying to do your job, which they can't do your job because they're pastors, they are not sheep. Only sheep beget sheep. So God's going to hold you responsible for not bringing people to his church. The only responsibility you have to do, what you really need to do is pray. Do you know I used to pray every single morning and I got saved and I went out and run six people to Jesus every single morning. I would not eat until I won six teenagers to Jesus because I've seen some me coming to hell. So don't give me excuses. God took care of me. God seen I had money. God seen I had living. I'm still here, ain't it. But I won six people every single day. And that wasn't enough. I was so hungry for it that God gave me a job in a place that did food, and I mean hundreds of people come in there a day, and the job that I had was to win every person that come in to get food to Jesus. I decided I' got to be serious about this, and I've got to be such anointing on this because anointing will break the yoke, so I'm not going to eat until I get through every day. Then God told me that I was not that I was aboarding my babies. I said, what do you mean I'm boarding my babies? He said, well, you're going out here and birthing them, but then you're not giving them no word. So I went and got me cases of Bible and filled my trunk full. You know, you whine, cause you have to give a little bit of money here or there. I bought $25 Bibles and cassettes and give to every person I wanted to Jesus. was sowing in the kingdom of God I wanted to pay something for that life I wanted to pay something that soul was worth I I want a a waitress to Jesus I'm going to tell you if you really love Jesus and you really want to do this he'll put anointing on you to do it I was at at a church of God preaching and I got up and I said pastor I said, God wants me to eat chicken and dumplings today. See, I don't always know what God wants to do with me. I just say something and He puts me where I need to be. Well, the day before that I told him God wanted me to eat fried chicken. I gotta go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Pastor, do you know where it's all Betty God don't talk to you like that. His wife said, Well, I'm going with her. We go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I said, we're just going to get one meal because I want breakfast. I'm a breakfast person. And we'll wait right here at this table until God brings them in. This girl walks in, walks right up to me and said, Jesus said you'd tell me how to be saved if I come here. I lead her to Jesus. We leave. We go eat breakfast. Next morning I get up and I said, Pastor, God wants me chicken and dumplings. He said, "Babe, the only place I know is the Church of God campground. So he takes me over there and we're eating. They decided to take their parents. They wanted them to see this. Well, we were eating, and they keep looking at me, and asking, is it that, and is it that? So when the waitress come back, she said, she put the, had the bill, I'm sitting right here, and she put the bill right down in front of me. And I just put my hand on her, and when I did, she started shaking from head to toe. And I said, honey, Jesus sent me. And the tears started sliding down her face. And she received Jesus. That pastor didn't believe God talked to me like that. Slid down on the floor. And was weeping there by the table. Was weeping. I said, Pastor, run out there in my car and open the trunk. And get me a cassette. Set of the Bible out of my trunk and bring it to me. And I handed it to her and I said, here's a gift now. I'm asking you if you will play this. I don't want to board you I want you to have the milk of the word of God she said I can't accept this it's $25 it had on it what it was I'd ordered from Hosanna I said honey your soul is worth $25 she took that Bible and hugged it to her like it was precious that's a soul winner are you do you love God that much Do you love a soul that much? Do you know God will see that you get double that money again to do that? Do you know I've done that for like 10 years or so? And do you know God moved in my life and God saved people and saved people and saved people? I'm a mama all over the world now just from winning people to Jesus. I went from house to house with an actor and won 300 actors to Jesus. Almost every one of them got delivered. So God is asking you. You know all these people out here, there are not many Christians up here. But you've got the answer and you have the anointing on you, in you, to do it. So God is asking you tonight, I want you to fill my kingdom. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's what it's all about. Go you in all the world, this is never believer. He said, you're no believer by these signs. They will cast out devils, heal the sick, make new disciples, speak in tongues, and raise the dead. Now, are you a believer? Are you doing it? If you're doing it, you're a believer. If you're not, you better work on it. You know, I love you. I really love you. This book is nothing but writings that I do every morning. I have a fellowship with God. You know I've changed about how I pray. I don't go for hours at a time anymore. You know what I do? I get up. I set my little chair and I said, good morning, Father. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you know I love you. And I thank him.